How could we not help but rejoice with such a start as that? And somebody said, ta-da, I agree. <laughs> as we set our sights on worshiping together, please join me in the printed responsive call to worship in your bulletin. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. Praise the Lord. in the prayer of the day. God of our life, through all the circling years, we trust in thee. In all the past, through all our hopes and fears, thy hand we see. With each new day, when morning lifts the veil, we own thy mercies, Lord, which never fail. God of the past, our times are in thy hand. With us abide. Lead us by faith to hope's true promised land. Be thou our guide. With thee to bless, the darkness shines as light, and faith's fair vision changes into sight. Amen.
I have a confession to make. You just read, sang, God of our lives. And you prayed it, just like you can pray every song, every hymn that we ever sing together. We also have a few announcements that were not able to be shared prior to our worship service. There will be an opportunity to hear more about insurance on October 30th, right here in our building complex, room 201. Nancy Skelton will be sharing about the renewal of Medicare Advantage. And so if that's a topic of interest to you, I encourage you to join Nancy Skelton after the 10 o'clock worship service on October 30th, the day before Halloween. Also, there is a correction in our bulletin for the Web Club that meets Wednesday, October 12th. They will not meet in the evening at Nancy's. They will meet in the afternoon here at church from 2 to 4. So Wednesday from 2 to 4, room 200, October 12th for the Web Club. O Savior, in this quiet place where anyone may kneel, we also come to ask for grace, believing you can heal. Please join me in the confession prayer. You never said you asked too much to any troubled soul. We long to feel your healing touch. Will you not make us whole? But if the thing we most desire is not your way to be, may faith, when tested in the fire, prove its integrity. Of all our prayers, may this be chief, till faith is fully grown. Lord, disbelieve our unbelief and claim us as your own. Amen. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him that the world might be saved. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. friends. As you have likely surmised from our bulletin, we we are in our third week of the Loving Generously series. We've already had a chance to take a look at being grateful and working hard. And this week, we're addressing the topic of believe. And you might see There's a question mark up there. Believe in what? So we'll talk about that. One of the scriptures that is the paradigm for belief is taken from Genesis chapter 15, where we are reintroduced to Abram and Sarai. And I invite you to hear God's word to each one of us. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, 
and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. You've given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. God brought Abram outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you can. And God continued, So shall your descendants be. Abram believed God, and God credited to him as righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is my joy and privilege to invite the young people up into the chancel. I have a game for us to play. Does anybody recognize Memory Match? I have a game for us to play. going to take care of them. They have to go far, far away from what they know, all in Genesis 12, where the blessing came. And then they have famine and lies and betrayal. Their nephew gets kidnapped, and they encounter war. All these hard things, and yet God told them in Genesis 12 that God was going to bless them. Here we are in Genesis 15, And now God is saying yet again, I promise you that your reward shall be very great. After all of this, what do you think Abram and Sarai might be thinking? You told us we were blessed. We've been through all these hardships. You've made us wait for a long, long, long time. And you you tell us our reward will be very great. So Abram says to God, God, I don't have a child. Nobody is calling me daddy. How am I ever going to have the blessings you promised? So God took Abram outside. Have you ever gone outside at night? Have you ever tried to count the stars, looked up at the stars? 
you can't count all the stars, can you? That's right. There are so many more, even when you count them. Billions and billions of stars up there. So God said to Abram, you're going to have as many kids and grandkids as there are stars up there. Do you think Abram believed that pie-in-the-sky promise after all the promises? Do you you think Abram believed? That's right. Sarah was 90-something years old. and, And are we supposed to believe... If you were taken outside by God and told to count the stars and promised all these things, would you believe God? You would, Sandy. Why, Miss Cat, Cassie? Why? Why would you believe God? It's a wonderful thing. You just believe, right? Well, here's what happened. Abram did believe, just like Cassie said. Abram did believe, and that's why Abram and Sarah, Abram and Sarah, are in the Bible because they believed, and God credited it to them as righteousness. We translate righteousness into the word faith. When they believed, at the same time that they believed, God said, you have received this gift of faith. So even when we have to wait for long times, even when tough things happen to us, when we believe and we have that gift of faith, we can hold on to those things. So it's my deep prayer for each of you that you will have the opportunity to hold on to that gift of faith, to hold on to one another and to the love that God has for you. You want to pray about that? Okay, let's pray. God in heaven, we give you thanks for the gift of faith. We give you thanks that you help us to believe even in our unbelief. We thank you for the love of brothers and sisters, and we thank you for the many ways that you show us that our faith can be turned into action. Now send us into the kingdom so that we might learn to love, serve, and honor you. We pray this all in God's wonderful name. Amen. Thank you very much. Enjoy your time in the kingdom. Just as our young people had an opportunity to learn about faith, we continue to learn about faith from both of our scripture lessons taken from John. This first one is John chapter 6. You might recall from your own Sunday school experience that the first 12 chapters of John is where Jesus is trying to tell the whole world about the glory of God. And then chapters 13 through 20 of John is where Jesus is particularly honing in that message to the disciples, knowing that Jesus is turning his face towards Jerusalem and his eventual crucifixion. And so he's going to have to convict and convince and bolster his disciples in those last few chapters so that they are ready to go forth with the good news of the gospel. But right now in John chapter 6, Jesus is still proclaiming all the wonders to all the world, And Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000, which is a story that's repeated in all four of the Gospels. So we have good, good understanding that something like this must have happened. I invite you to hear God's word to each one of us. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Jesus, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This gospel text is taken from the section where Jesus is particularly teaching his disciples. And as you can imagine, getting closer and closer to Jerusalem and his crucifixion, they're getting increasingly anxious. What's going to happen to us? What will we do? Hear God's faithful response to each one of us. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. And you know the place to where I'm going. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to me except through the Father. And if you know me, you know me and my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A man approaches the flight check-in, and he's trundling three heavy bags. 
And as he approaches, the attendant says, to where shall I check these bags? And the man says, well, this one's going to Dubai, this one's going to Paris, and this one's going to Las Vegas. And the attendant chuckles and says, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but we can only check your bags to the destination that you are intending to visit. He said, well, why can't you do it now when you lost them the last time and did it then? <laughs> Loss happens in a lot of different ways, sometimes humorously like that, sometimes in ways that might remind us, as John 14 did and as the choir beautifully evoked for us, of hearing those scriptures at the loss of a loved one at their memorial service. So much of our lives are transient and fleeting. Summer ends, sandcastles melt with the tide, kids grow up, institutions come and go, people move in and out of our neighborhoods and our lives. And we try so hard to make things permanent. We try to make our lives eternal, our nation infinite, and our causes everlasting. We search for something to believe in because we don't want to have to face loss. Nobody wants to feel like losing or being a loser. And the specter of loss is what drives much of our fear and our anger and our poor choices. Loss comes in many forms. Lost luggage, more seriously, lost lives. There's lost stuff. Think, for example, how crazed many of us would feel if we couldn't find our smartphones. Or remember when you were a toddler or had a toddler and how crazed they were when they misplaced their favorite little lovey. Loss can also refer, refer to foods that are perishing. Did you know that the Greek word that was used in John 6 that we just read is a polemi, and it's translated as perishable manna, but it can also be translated as loss. Loss can be felt in our own performance or in competitions. We all know how seriously we take our sporting events. I can think of a few New York Yankees fans. I can think of a few Bills fans who might be hopeful after our two and two and what's going to happen this afternoon. Loss can be felt when we have professional setbacks or when our life seems out of control. We feel loss when opportunity knocks and we fail to answer. Many of us struggle daily with loss of memory for facts, for faces, for concepts. We feel at a loss when our routines are disrupted or when our health or our abilities are somehow compromised. Oh my gosh, here's the big one. Relationships are a fertile ground for loss. Friendships falter. Couples divorce, children and teachers part at the end of the school year. And we can experience emotional losses that rock our very self-identity, the core of our beating. We can lose patience and comfort and confidence and trust and security and respect and, oh my gosh, that all very important hope. In the midst of all this loss, what does Jesus say to us? Do not let your hearts be troubled. The world tells us, believe. Believe in what? The world tells us in many different ways to believe in many different forms. This pillow that was a gift from many years ago says believe. 
This pillow says, believe in angels. All kinds of ways that the world says, believe. All things are possible if you believe. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Always believe something wonderful is going to happen. Even Walt Disney gets in on the game and he has Cinderella say, if you keep believing, the dream that you wish will come true. Right? Believe, believe, believe. When I hear so-called inspirational sayings like that, I want to ask, believe in what? And most often the answer right now is believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. From the time we're kids, we're told this, the author of Winnie the Pooh writes, remember, promise me you'll always remember. You're braver than you believe, you're stronger than you seem, you're smarter than you think. Our sports heroes jump on that bandwagon and they pump us up with this platitude. Venus Williams says, some people say I have attitude. Maybe I do. But I think you have to. You have to believe in yourself when no one else does. That makes you a winner right there. Business leaders seek to inspire greater productivity. Steve Jobs said, your work is going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep searching. Don't settle. As with all matters of the heart, you will know it when you find it. Even presidents and pastors jump on this believe-in-yourself bandwagon. Believe you can and you're halfway there. That's Teddy Roosevelt. Or believe in yourself. Have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be successful or happy. That's Reverend Norman Vincent Peale. How many of you have read The Power of Positive Thinking? Not a bad book, truly. But I know, and Reverend Peale knows, that the power of positive thinking and that believing in yourself is actually rooted in believing in something bigger than ourselves. The world tells us to believe or to believe in ourselves, but Jesus tells us that the balm in Gilead for our troubled hearts is actually believing in God. So what does it mean to believe in God? The Greek word translated from both John 6 and John 14 that we read today, the verb is pistua. And the cognate of that Greek verb is the Greek noun pistis, which our Bibles most often translate as faith, not belief, but faith. You see, we do the work of believing a verb in action, that pistuo. And God gives us the gift of faith, that noun that is pistis. C.S. Lewis said, faith has to be believed to be seen. Believe in God like you believe in the summer. Not because you can see it, but because you can see all that it touches. Presbyterian pastor John Ortberg says, Believing is what we do with our minds. Remember, it's that verb, it's that action. We choose to do the work of believing, all in, hard as it may be. 
When we recite the Apostles' Creed, we start out by saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and I believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. And then we skip down to, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. We rattle these things off out of memory, but what do we really believe? Believing is the work here, right? Have you ever asked yourself what the greatest distance in the world is? It's not circumnavigating the globe. It's not traveling from our galaxy to another. The greatest distance in the world is between here and here. We can say with our minds and our mouths that we believe, but embedding it here is an entirely different situation. And that is where our heart hinges. Bridging big distances was the specialty of a man named Charles Blondin. Blondin lived about 150 years ago and gained world renown even before people like the Flying Walendas. You see, Blondin was French. He traveled to the United States with one goal in mind. He wanted to cross Niagara Falls on a high wire. And he was quite a showman, so he pulled it off. He put up a 1,100-foot hemp rope that was 160 feet above the falls, and he gathered a crowd of several thousand people and started the walk, inch by inch, step by step. He had no safety net. He didn't even have that tether that the Walendas used so that if they did fall off, they would at least be caught before plummeting to their death. He had nothing, inch by inch, step by step. And with several thousand people watching it, he made it across safely. They were so excited about it, they were snapping pictures the whole way along. So when he arrived at the other side, he borrowed a camera, and he went back. And he started snapping pictures of people, snapping pictures of him. He got to the other side. He was having so much fun with it. He asked for a chair. He went back. He put the chair halfway down in the middle of his traverse, and he stood on the chair. And he kept crossing. He got to the other side, and he he turned to the crowd, and he said, I'm going to take a wheelbarrow across. Do you believe I can do it? They yelled, of course we believe, we believe, you can do it. Who's going to get in the wheelbarrow with me? You laugh, several thousand people went silent. It's like being in a committee meeting and somebody is asked to do something and everybody looks at their shoes. (laughs) Nothing. One man stuck up his hand. See, he knew Charles Blondin. He had watched him practice this. He saw him traverse this rope many, many, many times. He said, I'll get in. So he did. Blondin took him across, step by step, inch by inch, no safety net. They arrived at the other side. The crowd went wild. They applauded Blondin and his passenger. Thousands applauded. One believed. 
When we commit to believing in God, really commit to getting into God's wheelbarrow all in, we're simultaneously prepared to receive God's gift of faith. Our heart hinges on the love of God. The letter to the Hebrews defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And one of our early church leaders, St. Augustine, says, Faith is to believe what you do not see. The reward of this faith is to see what you believe. So if believing is a verb we do, all in in the wheelbarrow, and faith is the gift that we receive, how in the world does this help our hearts not to be troubled? Do you think Charles Blondin just one day willy-nilly decided to walk across that wire? No. He was raised in a family of circus performers. He started out really young, really low, and he practiced. A little bit higher every time, a little bit further. He practiced. He worked at it. Can we just say that we believe in God and expect God to grant our wishes to us like a magic genie? Come on, you know better than that. Your faithful prayers. We have to practice the verb of our believing in God. Take, for example, the story of Abram and Sarai that we read this morning. God appears to Abram in a vision, telling him, Don't be afraid. I'm your shield. Your reward will be very great. And Abram, for the first time in three chapters and many tragedies that he'd already experienced and many promises that he'd already received from God, for the first time, Abram starts to show a little dent. Really, God? I don't have a kid yet. You promised to bless me. What's going on here? So God took Abram outside and showed him the stars. Count them. Go ahead. See if you can. So shall your descendants be. And Abram believed. He believed because he had been practicing it. He believed, and that last verse that we read says God credited it to him as righteousness. The Greek word there is zedekah, righteousness, which we most often translate instead not as righteousness but as faith. God gifted Abram with that belief declaration. God gifted Abram simultaneously with the gift of faith. Abram had been practicing his believing through all kinds of tragedies, famine, deception, betrayal, even war. And then God gave to Abraham and Sarah, remember how she laughed that she was going to have a baby at that age? Gifted them with Isaac. And then Jacob and all the brothers and the diaspora that became the Israelites. More numerous than the stars in the sky. Belief and faith can also be thought of as chicken and egg. Which came first? The chicken or the egg? Both have plausible answers to the affirmative on each side, right? So which came first? Receiving the gift of faith or believing in God? Both questions don't have easy, verifiable answers that suit everyone in every situation. But asking the question, which came first, believing in God or receiving the gift of faith? Just asking the question forces us to make a hypothesis. And when you make a hypothesis, you have to test it. You have to put into practice what it is you think you believe there. 
or what you think you've received as a gift of faith. And that very practice strengthens the outcome and serves as its own reward. Remember, God said to Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Putting into practice our hypothesis about belief and faith is its very own reward. Maybe you've heard the saying that's been variously attributed to either Ignatius or Augustine, two early church fathers. Work as if it all depends on you, but pray as if it all depends on God. Our hearts are not troubled when we're interacting with God and with God's people. The world may tell us to believe, believe in angels, believe in yourself. That's what the world may tell us. But what does God tell us? Believe in God. And what I'm covering up here is the leave in and self. When we believe in God and receive the gift of faith, we can be ourselves, be you. Don't believe in yourself. Believe in God. Receive the gift of faith and be you. Because when we do that, we affirm that God made us good. Every one of us. Every one of us uniquely. God made us good. Believe that. Receive that gift faithfully. And act on it. And the reward shall be very great. With the confidence of the children of God, recognizing that all these gifts have been given to us, and the bounty is amazing, let us dedicate our gifts, our first fruits, back to God, using even this printed prayer. Good God, whose bounty all creation shows, Christ, by whose willing sacrifice we live, Spirit, from whom all life faithfully flows, to you with trusting hearts, ourselves we give. Amen.
We have a number of prayer requests this morning, but I want to start out by thanking the messengers for enhancing our chancel with the beautiful flowers that are in loving memory of lost ones, those who are always close to our hearts. Thank you. We also give thanks and praise for a number of celebrations. There have been birthdays this week, but there's also been a 60th wedding anniversary that Jan and Howard Curry celebrated, and so we give thanks and praise for their exuberance and love. We also give thanks and praise for the ways that God works through surgeons' hands. A number of individuals in our congregation have had recent cancer diagnoses, and we are grateful for the ways that they are receiving treatment and thus battling those cancer situations. We're also thankful for the ways that God has taken care of those who have been struck by Matthew. Paige, I'm delighted that you're here and that you've put in this prayer request because Haiti has been the hardest struck. Do you know whether or not any of the people to whom you ministered, have you any idea whether or not anybody was directly affected? Okay. Well, thankfully for that, but we're still praying for the entire island and the nation's economy as it tries to recover from yet another disaster this way. And for all those who have had to evacuate homes along the eastern coast of the United States. We have several congregants, indeed, who have also had to do that. And I'm still waiting to hear back a report from David and Joanne Churchill, because as you know, they're down in Myrtle Beach. And Aaron, you're telling me that your dad's okay. Reichmans are okay. Good. So we are in prayer for those who are affected by Matthew. We have a prayer request from Bob and Dee Douglas for Joyce Douglas, and so we lift them and family up. And we also give thanks for the many ways that God cares for us, even with the greatest of losses. You might remember that we have prayed for Ron and Beverly Pollock's niece, Allison. She had a terrible car accident several years ago, from which we thought she would not emerge. She did. She was fine. She came out of it being able to walk and have full capabilities. They were told that they would never conceive. They did. They conceived. But sadly, that child was born stillborn this week. And so we're grieving the loss of Samuel and we're lifting up Allison and the extended Pollock family, knowing that God wipes away every tear and walks with us in these journeys, even as difficult as they are. Friends, please join me in prayer. Our faith looks up to you, Lamb of Cavalry, Savior divine. Hear us while we pray. Take all our guilt away. Let us from this day be wholly yours. Impart us your rich grace and strength for our faint hearts. Inspire our believing zeal. May our love for you be a consistently living fire. While we tread life's dark maze and grief spreads around us, guide us. Turn the darkness into day, wipe sorrow's tears away, and never leave our side. When this transient dream of life ends, remove fear and distrust so our ransomed souls might abide with you in the kingdom. Show us the Christ who yearned for relationship. Help us to hear again how the outsider received mercy, the sick were healed, and those whom good people rejected were loved and forgiven. We pray that we shall stand firm in the face of tribulation. May our conviction not waver as we witness in Christ's name. When we are tossed to and fro by the trials that beset us, give us clear heads and open hearts that we may hear what you are saying. As we confront contemporary demons that tempt us from your way, Keep us resolute in Christ's own triumph over the destructive power of slander. We pray for boldness to risk greater ventures, to take specific steps in response to your love. 
As Christ was released from the tomb that bound him, may we too be freed from powers that impede us. And help us to see your grace that overcame even the despair of death. Lift us to heights where we can gain a vision of your eternal order. Set us amidst those who need a glimpse of your peace. Comfort those who are not yet able to dry their own eyes and keep us in a community that grows in breadth and depth each passing moment. It is to you, Lord God, that belongs all glory, praise, and honor. And so we pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Receive the gift of faith. Be you. Precious, individually created, ready to share God's good news. Be you. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each and every one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.